Welcome to The Sword on the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. And here we are with Dr. Vody Bauckham, part two. Uh, we had so much to talk about with his book and with the state of evangelicalism today that we needed to have two parts yeah. to, this, uh, to this conversation. Yeah, if you hadn't heard the first part, I encourage you to go and listen to it, uh, kind of just laying the... Uh, field of where we are, marking that field out, and now we want to talk about where we go from here. But we also want to remind you that we have a conference coming up January 20 through 23, 2022, here in Southwest Florida. Uh, man, Southwest Florida in the winter is a great place to be. Vody's going to be here preaching. You'll be preaching. I'll be preaching. James Coates will be preaching. Conrad Mbewe, your co-worker yep. in Zambia, will be here along with Travis Allen, who's a pastor up in Greeley, Colorado. So we encourage you to sign up and come be a part of this conference. Uh, registration's open, but uh, it looks like we may have to, to cancel or, or, or bring it to an end because we will run out of space. So get your registration in early. We'd love to see you here. Okay, so in our last podcast, a brief summary, we talked about the uh, coming catastrophe, uh, the names on the sides of the fault lines. And you name people in the book on the wrong side of this fault line um, are uh, ministries like SBC, Nine Marks, um, uh, TGC, T4G, on the right side of this fault line, the late R.C. Sproul, Tom Askell, uh, John MacArthur, Doug Wilson, and there's some others probably on either side. And we were uh, saying it's wild that that exists. We, what are some of the reasons? And we've identified really lack of courage. Some men that are on the wrong side that know what to do, uh, but they're not doing it. And then also worldview stuff um, as, as a problem. People not understanding the times, not understanding just how bad um, this stuff is. We signaled a little bit about where to go from here. You know, we, we, we know we do need to build um, and try to think through how the good guys on the wrong side will, will come back over eventually if the thesis works itself out, which we're convinced it will, that this is eventually going to go off into uh, very clear, clear heresy. So let's just spell it out more. We know, we know what we need to do generally, but uh, how do we actually raise a banner? How do you get the, the right people and the right movements and the right leadership and what should Christians be doing right now? All right, Vody. Give us the answer, man. Fix it, Vody. Vody. <laughs> Fix it please. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things we have to do is we have to continue to, to press the antithesis. We have to continue to identify um, the not just the erroneous ideas and or events, but we've got to go to the root. Right. We, we, we can't just hover around the fruit. We've got to go to the root of this and we've got to demonstrate that this is another religion. This is another worldview. And I think one of the ways that we do that is that we continue to sort of peel the onion. Right. And to look at um, the other layers. Uh, one of the things and, and this is one of the things that I'm encouraged about is that the critical social justice movement and the worldview behind it is pressing further and further and further. And so now we're seeing the sexual ethic mm -hmm. of the critical social justice movement becoming more and more prominent. And a lot of people who are, you know, standing over here and either ignoring or going along with uh, the, 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 the racial, ethnic, you know, part inside of this, this argument um, are, are not willing to go along with the, the broader intersectional 
part of this argument. And so homosexual, um, transgender, you know, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and, I, and I think this is a, giving us an opportunity to sort of set the stage and say, this is a worldview issue. Mm. And we do need to define it in that way. And so now let's get to that next step. And part of that next step is being clear about who we are and what we believe, what God says about these issues um, and sort of why that leads us mm. to our position in opposition to this. You know, I had a conversation three, maybe four years ago, I forget, uh, with an evangelical leader, key evangelical leader, well-known, about these very things. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was saying, yeah, the, the challenge is going to be separating the race issue from the sexual issue. Yeah. He said, but we got to do it. we got to yeah. do it. And uh, we were talking about critical race theory, intersectionality, critical theory. He said, these come from a poisoned well, yeah. but we can use them because they're yeah. basically Augustinian in nature. And I, I was blown away by that. And I don't think there's <laughs> the a... The illustration is <laughs> just so bad. Like, that came from a poisoned well. I don't want to drink yeah. it. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. But and I, I just... I don't, there's no way because no. the foundation is the same. It is the same. It is the same. And when you look at the literature, right, when you look at literature, critical theory, critical race theory literature, you always find um, feminist theory, mm -hmm. queer theory. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that, you, you, you cannot separate those things. No. You know, you just, you just can't do it. So it, it, it's like, you know, saying that we want to study, um, you know, we want to study Revelation, really, but but we want to really stay away from, you know, Johannine <laughs> theology, right? Um, it, we, yeah. we all, it, John's the author yeah. of that, you yeah. know. So you just you 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 can't do it, um, and that's what a lot of people are are wanting to do. And I think that goes back to what we talked about in the last episode. A lot of people want to do that because their relationships yeah. and the last decade of being very serious about you know, uh, racial reconciliation and, and, and those types of things and investing in those relationships, um, those things are leading them to say, um, no, 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 we, 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 we want to figure out how we can have this without that. Right. Well, the way you have this without that is to have a biblical understanding yeah. of this, yeah. right? The reason that there is this this, this problem and this contradiction is because you're accepting an approach to race and ethnicity that is inherently unbiblical. Yeah. And this approach to race and ethnicity that is inherently unbiblical also embraces these other ideas that are inherently and, and you, unbiblical. You can't, you can't have one without the other. It's one of the things I appreciate about the Black Lives Matter movement is the honesty yes. of the founders, you know, we're yes. trained Marxists and yes. whenever they put it out there, it's not just blacks. Yes. You know, it's queers, it's yes. LGBTQ plus and all of that. And whenever that got so much spotlight, they took it out. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that, that's a commentary. If you got eyes, just read it. If you got ears, listen, yeah. they're telling us. Yeah. They're telling yeah. us. They tell us what they're going to do. And I wonder, I, I think we ought to actually do the same thing, but do it Christianly. And so when it comes to measures moving forward, what to do, you could kind of stay with the poison well analogy. I mean, you actually had somebody that said, this came from poison yeah. well, but we can use it. We can drink it. And uh, there's people that are wise enough now to go, I don't want to drink that. Like, I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to drink that's from a poison well. I reject that. 
and that's the that's the not woke people and the not and the not social justice people but we actually the, the deal is you have to drink somewhere so we need wells we need christian wells that people can drink from you yeah know, we need to go back and and really begin yeah. those and so when it comes to what to do I could at least start with what not to do. What I could see happening that I think we should avoid is like a a half measure at this point for the not woke people, where what we be we become the coalition is the not woke people. I actually mm-hmm. wrote a piece recently called "Not Woke Is Not Enough" because mm-hmm. it, it's not gonna that's not gonna do it. You're, you've got all kinds of unbelievers yeah. that are not woke, yeah. right? So not woke yeah. is not going to be enough. We need wells and we need people. Yeah. Need and people. on both sides of this, it's interesting when you look at woke ideology. Not everybody who's embracing woke ideology, number one, is doing it for the same reason. And not everybody who embraces woke ideology um, is, is is willing to align, right? Same thing with the not woke. Not mm. everybody on the not woke side um, yeah. is willing to align. But I think, and, and one of the things I write about in the book uh, at the end is that Second Corinthians 10 approach, right? Um, you know, we do want to destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We have to do that. But then we have to take every thought Mm -hmm. captive to obey Christ. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And so on the one hand, um, I disagree vehemently with those people who say, you know, we we, got to be more, you know, what we're for and not what we're against. No, that's a false dichotomy. We have to be clear about what we're against and Mm -hmm. clear about what we're Mm -hmm. for. Right. But we also have to be clear in terms of what the issues are. Right. And what a lot of people want to do is they want to say, you know, no, no, no. Over here, we want to say that, you know, we're for the gospel and we're for the sufficiency of scripture and we're for the supremacy of Christ and we're for the. All of that is great. But when we are being attacked, by a particular enemy and a particular ideology, right? It's not enough to say we're for Mm -hmm. America. We also have to say we're against the people who attacked us, right? So we've got to figure out how we do both of those things where we say clearly, here's what we're opposing and here's why, here's what's wrong with it. And here's what we're believing and here's why. Yeah. And here's why these two things are really incompatible, irreconcilable. And I think hand in hand with that is understanding the the reason we have been vulnerable to these attacks. Yeah. And that's where, you know, your point not being woke isn't enough because there are folks that see this and they think this is nuts. We got to stand against this. But we need to help them understand why this is wrong and why the foundations that many who are on the right side of the issue today are not sufficient because they'll just be played again by the next thing that comes if they don't go down to the root and understand, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, it's, it's like the inerrancy movement. I mean, praise God for the inerrancy movement. But inerrancy is not enough. Right. It's not enough. And so we've got to do this hard work of teaching again about law and gospel. Yeah. What does God actually say? What are the rules for his world? You know, teaching true ecclesiology, what are the rules for his house? What does it mean when Jesus says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me? Yeah. What, what does his lordship mean for everything in life? You know, as uh, you have this, you have this, we had this unity. We had this 
evangelical reformed unity, reformedish unity. Um, that's that's broken fault line. Okay, so when when that happens, um, you, one could say, "Wow, I used to be able to kind of trust these guys and ride with these guys, and now I can't." Okay, so now you have. Now you have the Christians, the good guys that are on the right side of the fault line, not the unbelievers who happen to be against wokeness, but the actual Christians, the evangelical Christians, reformed evangelical Christians that are here. Uh, I, the temptation could be, uh, who? now I can't trust anybody. I couldn't trust these guys. I can't trust these guys. I can't trust these guys. Yeah. And you end up in like an island. Um, what do you see, Vody, as the, the danger that could cr- divide good guys again? that are on the right side of the fault line. Are there those things that we need to guard against? And And I think I see this in terms of the school system. Right now, we've got people going to school board meetings railing against critical race theory, Mm. right? Mm. And as we see this, there are a lot of people who are like standing up and cheering. Like, yes, we need to fight this. I see that and I say, wait a minute, because critical pedagogy has been in our school system for a long time, right? I mean, our schools are anti-Christian by federal mandate. And so one of the things that worries me is that people are going to stand up against critical race theory, Mm. get critical race theory out of schools that are anti-Christian by federal mandate, that are still Marxist to the core and have been for generations, that were established by anti-Christians specifically for the purpose of removing what they call religious superstition, right, from our culture. And they're going to say, because we got critical race theory (laughs) out of there, now they're okay. Mm. Send the school bus. Right? And yeah. so I think the, the danger is that we'll do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. The danger is that, that we'll say, and I'm, I'm telling people because you know, a lot of people are wanting to talk to me about critical race theory. This is not a book about critical race theory. Right? Critical race theory is one of the things mm-hmm. that I, I address, but I address the broader movement of critical social justice, right? Which critical race theory is a component of that. And I think a lot of people are going to want to say, okay, we're going to get this critical race theory thing out of here but then they're still going to have standpoint epistemology. <laughs> Same presupposition. They're still going to have, you know, they're still going to mm-hmm. have, all, you know, all of these other, you know, presuppositions and other versions of critical theory that are still there because we're not getting to the root of the matter. And so over here, I would say it's great that you don't want critical race theory to be part of education, but what's your philosophy of education? That's yeah. right. Right. Yeah. See, that maps on to, I said this at the conference up in Nashville, the, the Be It Resolve conference, that I, I'm, I, I'm seeing this critical race theory, social justice stuff as the mosaic administration of a pagan religion, right? But Moses comes after Abraham, after the promises. So you walk back to the Adamic, the Adamic administration of paganism in the 1960s. And this came from Sproul saying Aquarius, that's the, yeah. that's the age of Aquarius. And he says, we're at high noon now. Yeah. Well, high noon's mo- it's a law. It's a law principle with a Davidic administration of paganism being COVID where civil authorities begin to enforce these pagan laws. But you got to realize it's all the way back in the 60s, you know, and people could argue previous, but where be fruitful, yeah. multiply, fill the earth, have dominion. And John Lennon with his Abrahamic promises of, well, the world will live as one. And so when you see that, yeah, you go, okay, there's people that are on the not woke side of this thing 
that might have believed in the Abrahamic promises. You have people that don't like the Mosaic administration that may like the God of the Mosaic administration. And so I think it's a, it's an important time to say, Hey, we're not safe. If we get CRT out of the schools, we're not safe. If we just get the, get the teaching of these bad ideas out of the seminaries, it's like, "Mm, we we need to go way back to the root of the matter. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think this is a moment for us to try to help pastors and churches specifically to think through these things, because again, we didn't get here uh, three years ago. I mean, we just didn't wake up and find ourselves here. This has been coming. This has been yeah. a part of a shifted worldview that's happened for generations now. And the fact that, what is it like 80% of evangelicals still send their kids to public education systems yeah, or, or more. Yeah. I think it's more than that, more than that. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're doing that and you think, Oh, well, I know teacher so-and-so I know the principal and, and that may be great. And there may be some ways you could navigate it, but this is a system that is designed. Yeah. Cause to, teacher so-and-so is not right in the curriculum. N- that's right. Yeah. That's right. And there's all these federal laws. And I mean, so yeah, the fear is that we win the battle and say, okay, no more CRT in our schools. Great. Let's send our kids to school now. Yeah. And you're just perpetuating the problem. What, what is needed in our churches and pastors, man, we bear this responsibility. We've got to think carefully. We've got to read the Bible again and see how it applies to every area of life, yeah. including education. And churches, we're doing it in our church, starting Christian classical school in yeah. order to help parents to think through these things, train parents to uh, bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and recognize that everything in life is under the Lordship of Christ. Everything. Yeah. And I think this is what we're seeing is a manifestation um, of something that happened a long time ago. We decided that we were going to be man-centered, right? The, the church growth movement, mm-hmm. right? We decided that we were going to be man-centered. We decided that we were going to do church um, for an, an audience of the lost. We decided that we were going to do church in such a way that made people like us, that we were going to do church in such a way that made people want to be around us, that made people comfortable. and. Now we're looking out at a culture that is saying to us, you know, we're uncomfortable, right? And the thing that would make us comfortable is Mm. a CRT worldview approach to race and ethnicity. We're uncomfortable. And the thing that would make us comfortable is, you know, an ideology that would be kinder and gentler toward same-sex attraction Mm. and homosexuality. And the thing that would make us comfortable would be, and and what we're seeing Mm. is capitulation that is based on an ideology that we accepted a long time ago. And Jared, I'll go back to where you're where you're at right now and you know you were talking about masks and shutdowns well a while ago we said you don't have to gather to have church (laughs) you can be way over there and just watching on a screen Mm -hmm. right and those people who made that decision decades ago right it's really easy once you've given up on the idea that you know, the Ecclesia has to do with the gathering of a people in a place. It's really easy to then capitulate and say, you don't want us to meet? No problem. We gave up on that being essential a long time ago. And so I think in both instances, we're seeing the outgrowth and manifestation of ideologies that we accepted 
because we're being man-centered and because we're being pragmatic. Yeah. Feels like uh, somebody somebody found the law. <laughs> the law. It had been hidden for a long time and nobody knew about it. And we're at that moment where we can't even give a full answer to what we need to recover because you're like the the, the marketing thing, right? So we pick on the marketers, like the big dogs, like, you know, um, what's his name? Church, Purpose Driven Life guy, Rick Warren. Yeah. You know, we pick on that. Well, that's totally that marketing. But you start poking around, like even in the reformed and evangelical, uh, stronger, you know, higher church, whatever, and you might realize... Oh, there was there was some marketing impulses for us. Like we we might not have taken it all the way to where some of these guys did, but we had that too, and yeah. we were marketing like even in our liturgy and our worship, we're we're actually more concerned about people coming in off the street, and then we are about the God we're worshiping. Mm. And now the people coming in off the street are wanting this. Yeah. And so we're working it over there to him. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm reminded of what Paul says in Second Corinthians 11 about his, his fear for the Corinthian church. It says, lest uh, the way Satan deceived Eve, you be led astray yeah. from the simplicity that is in Christ. I mean, the simplicity. We have a book. Yeah. God has spoken. He tells us what's real. Reality is what God says is real. Truth is what God says is truth. Right, wrong is what God says about those things. And, and to get back to the simplicity of, okay, this really is God's world. This really is his show. He is working all this out. Calvin's analogy, I love that the creation is a theater of his glory. And so God has a purpose. And he's working that purpose out. He's given us scripture. He's told us how to live in the church. He's given us scripture so that we might know how to conduct ourselves in the household of God mm -hmm. in our individual lives. He's created this in his image and he's told us what it means to live in a way that honors him as image bearers of God. And we, we've got, we, we can't assume anymore. I mean, the reformation that we need is it's, it's across the whole front. Mm -hmm. There's not any area that we say, oh, no, no, we got this figured out. No, we got to go back to the basics, the Lordship of Christ, simplicity that's in Christ, and begin to build from that. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be amazing to watch what God does, because a part of the thing that has to go is like our height, our crazy pragmatism, right? So even as we sit here, I would, there, I would love to know uh, what's the exact playbook. And the answer is like, we don't know. Like we don't, but God is doing these amazing things like he, he he's going to be faithful he's going to glorify himself he's going to do good to his church yeah. he's going to spread his kingdom over this wide earth and it's it's mm -hmm. great to be at a moment where we're like i don't know it's like joab on the battlefield surrounded on both sides you know hey you go fight you go fight them i'm gonna go fight them you know if you need help i'll come and if i need help you come and may the lord do what seems good to him like we're we're at that moment so there are, there are strategies and there are dangers and temptations, and that's why we talk about these things. But ultimately, there's no way to manufacture the reformation that needs to happen. It does seem to me, though, I, I, I jump back here, because it's funny, we're talking about it, and I remember we signaled a number of doctrines. Uh, we said law gospel, confessionalism, pastoral theology, creation, the physical world, uh, metaphysics, the advance of the kingdom of Christ, political theology, and the Spirit's work of new birth. Those are the headings that we said, I, you know, if if I could commission like guys to do doctrinal work, like go study Kuiper, mm -hmm. go, go you dig into these areas. There's some, we need a whole host of men that are going to do the theological work because I think we need to recover a lot of this. 
And I think Kuiper is the a key in my mind. Just go read Kuiper's stuff and see if we can start to articulate these things for the modern era. Then you're going to need like the generals. You know, what are the generals going to do? You need doctrinal work and then you need the right kind of generals. You need the right kind of movements and organizations and conferences. Like all that has to be a part of this. You need faithfulness in churches. You need education of the next generation that says we're totally cut off. You know, it's like we need a lot of those things to happen. And those are at least some of the it's cool because it's not going to be like one person's going to be the savior for this thing. It's going to be like the people of God using their gifts to begin to employ what needs to be done. Buddy, what would you say to uh, a pastor, faithful Pastor Shepherd, he's getting his mind around what's going on. He's thinking, man, what do I do? I'm, I'm 35 years old. You know, what do I do? How do I how do I lead God's people? What would you what counsel would you give to him? Yeah, you know, the first thing is this is not complicated, right? <laughs> As we often say, it's hard, it's but it's hard, not. Right? It's not complicated. Um, the second thing is that we have to go back to basics. We, we, we've got to be like Vince Lombardi, you know, this, <laughs> this is, is a football, football you know, <laughs> and we, we've got to rest assured that, that that's enough, that the word of God is sufficient. The other thing is we have to have confessional standards. And I think, you know, one of the problems is we've run away from confessional standards for so long. And instead, our standard has been you know, uh, personality driven, right? Um, but we have to have confessional standards. And then we have to do the basic work of shepherding the flock, mm. of leading and feeding. Um, and, and the other thing is, I would say, we have to fight to become local again. Because I think one of the things that happened is, um, we, we sort of, you know, got, got atomized, you know, and, the idea of the local was lost. Mm. The idea of, you know, I have a shepherd, I have a man who's keeping watch over my soul. I have brothers and sisters, you know, here around me um, who matter to me and who love me and who I love and, and uh, you know, through thick and through thin. Uh, I think we've lost that. And so I think we need shepherds to gather flocks yeah. Yeah. and to remind them of that again. Um, because I, I agree that all of these things um, need to happen. But at the end of the day, um, like all politics are local, at the end of the day, the church is local. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we say it often and can't say it enough. Find a healthy church, build your life around it, and yeah. do whatever you got to do to get to a place where there is a healthy congregation and uh, establish your life there and raise your people, your family there, and live fruitfully yeah. there. And, and I think one of the things that we're seeing right now is that we're being pulled away from the local. Mm. So, for example, on issues of race and ethnicity, it's not, hey, you and another brother of another ethnicity or another sister of another ethnicity. No, 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 no. It is bring that thing out to 
the entire nation and the entire history of the nation, bring that thing out to groups of people and the outcomes of groups of people. And this is how you need to think about it. And this is how mm. we need to solve it. We're, we're, we're moving yeah. away yeah. from the mm -hmm. local. We're moving away from the individual. And that's hugely problematic. Amen. Yeah. And we, you know, I was speaking with a guy, he came from Scotland. I think he might even have like Scottish Covenanter uh, tendencies. I don't know. He, but it was interesting. He moved to the States and he says, you know, in that wonderful Scottish accent, he's like, you know, the political idolatry here is remarkable to him. Like that everyone is concerned with the federalism. Everyone's concerned with the nation. He's like, he's like, you could change things in your county in like, in like two months. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, but, but everyone is is like it, it was interesting how how gripping it was to him yeah and i thought about that it's so true if you were to look at all these conservative christians at conservative churches that are so frustrated about what they see on the news about it's always about what's going on in the nation they probably don't even know their county commissioners yeah, right. you know do they even know their county sheriff and that's an indictment we, we yeah. have to go and say you know we need to pray for these people and labor for um, these pockets where we're going to see faithfulness Amen. Bodie, thank you so much for being with us, brother. We praise God for your health and what he's doing and look forward to the next chapter. And in fact, if you can hang around for a few minutes, we'd love to uh, maybe just take five minutes and ask you what's next for you. Can you do that? Right, we'll yeah, do that absolutely. for our supporters in the Armory. All right. Thanks so much for listening to The Sword in the Trial today.